Welcome to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Director of the University of Washington's Men's Health Center and Associate Professor of Urology at the UW, featuring important topics dealing with men's health, including prostate cancer and erectile dysfunction. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome to the February edition of Men's Health Monthly on KZOK, Seattle's classic rock station, and Sports Radio 950 KJR, featuring Dr. Tom Walsh and a look at many of the important issues that affect men specifically. My co-host, Dr. Walsh, is an associate professor at the University of Washington, and he's the director of the UW Men's Health Center. He is with us every month to offer his knowledge and insight into men's health issues. If you have a question about men's health, we'll try to address those questions. You can email them to menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. Again, menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. This month, our special in-studio guest is Dr. Hunter Wessels. He is the chair of the University of Washington Department of Urology. We will talk about that as well as delve into his work with wounded warriors. And if you'd like to go behind the scenes of Men's Health Monthly, we have something new for you this month. You can see how the program is being made. You can do that by going to the YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and then type in UW Urology. Let's begin with a question for Dr. Walsh from the anonymous inbox. Dr. Walsh, this one uh, comes from a guy who only wants to use his initials. Uh, I am a middle-aged man, divorced and very sexually active with myself. It is the ultimate safe sex, masturbation. However, I am getting concerned as in the last six months to a year, I masturbate a lot, sometimes four times a day, occasionally six times a day. I find that in addition to sexual release, it calms me down. My question for Dr. Walsh is, how much is too much? Is frequent masturbation a problem physically? And do I run a risk of hurting or irritating my prostate? Are masturbation and prostate problems related? I prefer to just use my initials. Thanks in advance, JBJ. Hmm. Well, let's unpack that. The frequency of masturbation. I, I, I don't know if there's safety data on this. I don't think. I mean, can you injure I the penis? I, I don't think that it poses any imminent jeopardy mm-hmm. to your genitalia or to your prostate unless you are being overly aggressive and uh, causing a, 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 traumatic, Trauma. a yeah. traumatic injury. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to pose the question, you know, what parts of life are you missing if you're spending a lot of time, you're spending a lot of time alone like that? And what other parts of your life might you be masking or not engaging in? And how might it be preventing you from engaging other parts? But I don't I don't know that I can answer that. There is, to the best of my knowledge, data that would suggest some protective effect for the prostate. There's actually been uh, a paper, an academic paper published that talks about ejaculatory frequency showing some evidence of protection against prostate cancer, Uh, but that's a single study uh, and hasn't been reproduced to the best of my knowledge. So I, I guess, you know, I would say that our anonymous inbox uh, message lever. I don't think he's in any imminent jeopardy, but you might want to do some deeper digging and find out what else is missing in your life. Dr. Wessels. Occasionally, a patient will come in with complaints of 
premature ejaculation or very uh, rapid ejaculation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in uncovering the problem, it's that they masturbate so frequently that they develop kind of a, a hypersensitive type reaction and they, or else they can't respond to other forms of sexual stimulation. So it could either make uh -huh. it difficult mm -hmm. to achieve orgasm in normal sexual relations. And, and that brings up another point because it, it depends on what type of stimulation is being used for, you know, arousal during uh, uh, self-stimulated activity. And there is fairly robust data now supporting the idea, just, just that phenomena, that the use of pornography, for example, really tends to um, uh, alter how a man becomes sexually aroused and can really have a negative impact upon partner relations. So just some things to think about. And nowadays with, with the internet and porn is everywhere. Yeah. And it's escalated. You can watch almost any act on the internet. Hmm. So I'm told. Uh, so what advice would you have for JBJ? See a, a psychologist or I mean, well, I think what I take is that if somebody's posing this question, they're worried about it. Yeah, of course. And uh, I think if there's a worry about it and you're thinking about it and you're thinking it's posing a problem for you, it probably is worth talking to a professional about it. Mm -hmm. And whether it's uh, starting that conversation with your primary care doctor or a therapist, uh, a psychologist, a psychiatrist, whoever it is, I think it's uh, that, that that has merit to it. And again, you get into the embarrassment, you get into the shame. Absolutely, it's pretty hard to uh, to present that to a a family doctor. You know, it is, but uh, I think you'd be surprised. Uh, I think that that's where you know. I think that's kind of openness and honesty. I think that's where you know, sort of that physician or healthcare provider or patient relationship begins. JBJ, thank you very much for the question. And if you have a question for Dr. Walsh uh, regarding men's health please feel free to drop it in the anonymous inbox. Men's Health Monthly at iHeartMedia.com. Thanks for the assist on that, Tom. I no do appreciate problem. it. Our guest this month is Dr. Hunter Wessels. He is the chairman of the Department of Urology at the University of Washington. He's here to talk about wounded warriors and some of the challenges that they face. Dr. Wessels, first of all, welcome. And second of all, tell me about your work with, with wounded warriors and give us a little background, if you would. It's great to be here and talk about this, Neil. I have been taking care of men and women with injuries for my whole career in trauma centers and in the elective practice of reconstructive urology. Over the last 10 years, what we've seen is that men predominantly coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, Afghani conflicts, U.S. veterans are presenting with severe injuries to the genitalia, to their genitourinary area. And this is an injury that we didn't see in previous conflicts. If you go back and look at Vietnam or uh, even some of the earlier uh, conflicts and wars, other parts of the body were injured, the kidneys, mm -hmm. abdominal organs. And in these particular conflicts, it's totally changed. And now we're seeing men with severe multi-limb amputations, injury or destruction of parts of their genital organs, and head injuries is sort of the third thing that happens a lot with these injuries. In the Iraq-Afghanistan war, there were a reported 1,367 GU injuries. 
with 591 being a subset of those. Where do you get the referrals? How do people find their way into treatment? That's one of the challenges for these men. And I say men, there are some women who have also been injured Mm -hmm. severely in these conflicts, but many more men just based on the makeup of the armed services. They come in through army hospitals if they're actively deployed, but many of them, because their injuries are now no longer on active duty, they may come in through veterans hospitals across the country. Any individual veterans hospital will only see a few of these men because they're dispersed across the country. So no center is developing a really extensive expertise. Is, is that that's changing? one of the challenges. Is it a funding issue? There's extensive funding being put into trying to solve some of these very complicated problems. That's where there's a really exciting future, not only for wounded warriors, but for people injured in civilian environments. Hunter, could I uh, take a step back? When, you know, you mentioned that these, are, these injuries that you're seeing today are different than past wars. What, What's different? What's happening now that is different from from past conflicts? It's the forms of weapons, quite honestly. Uh, You you think of bullets. Bullets are designed to stop a soldier, but not necessarily kill them. They go through them and stop them. These injuries are caused by improvised explosive devices, IEDs for short. And these are bombs that are strewn on the ground They might be in a village, the soldiers going house to house trying to clear a village, and this thing explodes at their feet and injures their limbs and their genitalia, the two closest things. So the blast is, it's upward. Yes. When when it comes to the genitalia and it comes to sexual dysfunction, it comes to uh, reconstructive surgery, there's a lot going on. There is, and there are a lot of types of injuries. Even if the organs are intact, the penis or the testes, Mm -hmm. there can be a blast injury just from the shock wave from uh, a blast, and that can cause significant damage to uh, the underlying structures. It looks okay from the outside, but it might be completely calcified, like turned into basically bone in some of the structures of the penis, or the testis could lose its viability so that even though there's something there, there's no sperm production. Can the penis be reconstructed? It can. It depends how severe the injury is. If it's partial, we try and take adjacent tissues and rebuild it. If it's completely absent, the strategies have been to use the patient's own tissues from their arm, for example. The skin and blood vessels from the arm can be used and basically moved down there to create a penis. The new frontier is can we regenerate organs or build some of them from the patient's own tissues, or even transplantation. Is there a lot of research going on in this area? There is, and the U.S. Army and the Department of Defense have invested hundreds of millions of dollars in a regenerative medicine program that uh, is trying to do all these things. It's supporting transplantation, building new body parts, and things like that. Talk about what this means locally in terms of the University of Washington and, and your work. We are a resource for the area, and so the veterans hospitals in Puget Sound and surrounding areas, if a veteran comes in who is identified as having major GU problems, they can be referred to us as a center of excellence. And so I've seen men who are missing portions of their urethra or portions of their penis or more even greater loss. And 
there are also fertility issues. And one of the exciting advances is that Congress appropriated funds to cover fertility care for all these individuals through the VA. And that's a, a major new push uh, nationwide. They must cover that. Effective recently? It is fairly recent. Um, and, it's, and it's important to realize that um, these are fertility issues that stem directly from these types of injuries. While fertility globally is, is, a, is a big issue, it's important to recognize that the appropriation of funds are really specific for this group of men who have experienced these really traumatic injuries that really prevent them from natural conception. If you've just joined us, I'm Neil Scott, and you're listening to Men's Health Monthly on Sports Radio 950 KJR and KZOK, Seattle's classic rock station, featuring Dr. Tom Walsh, director of the UW Men's Health Center. And this month, our special in-studio guest, Dr. Hunter Wessels. He is the chair of the Department of Urology at the University of Washington. And this month, we're discussing wounded warriors and reconstructive urology. When we come back, we'll talk more about wounded warriors right after this. Did you know that diabetes, heart disease, and prostate cancer procedures can contribute to erectile dysfunction? Many men aren't aware of this or of all the treatment options that a board-certified urologist can offer. Understand your options and learn where you can find an ED specialist in Seattle to help. Visit edcure.org to get the facts and find a urologist who can offer treatment options that work when pills and injections don't. Again, that's edcure.org. Dr. Hunter Wessels is joining us uh, in this edition of Men's Health Monthly. He's chair of the Department of Urology at the University of Washington. Tom? So, Hunter, I could imagine that some of these men could experience really devastating injuries that no matter what, they would not be able to conceive in a natural way. Men who could go on and undergo the use of assisted reproductive technology, which is what we're talking about, this appropriation through the VA. What's being done to potentially allow men... Is there reconstructive options for men to conceive naturally? What's being done sooner, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Well, let's take a step and go back. Who are the people? Well, these soldiers, most of them are between 25 and 35 years of age, and most of them are married. But a third of them aren't married, and many of them haven't started families. So this is really important. Mm -hmm. And the ability to potentially achieve fertility has a major impact for the good. So... Different nations have taken different approaches to this. One would be to sperm bank every single soldier before they go off to a conflict. Wow. And that has not been implemented, but it's a theoretical approach. Right. Uh, obviously, you'd be doing a lot of work for very few people. Mm. Another is how we take care of the injuries uh, when they've occurred. A classic regular trauma center might remove the testes if they're severely injured. Whereas in the military, what they might do is just leave it covered with gauze and keep it moist while that person's air vacked out to another facility. And then there might be an attempt to preserve the testicular tissue. And in fact, the British military is using that approach. So any injury to the testes will be, there'll be an attempt to preserve and freeze the testicular tissue and try and extract sperm. Now, they have a much smaller military, mm -hmm. much smaller number of men deployed. They aren't talking about thousands. They're talking about hundreds. Other success stories? Uh, certainly. Some of the success stories are rebuilding a channel because the sperm needs to get out. 
building a new urethra would be one way to help someone achieve fertility or restoring their erectile function so that they can achieve conception naturally. And I have stories from civilian life too. I took care of a young man who, when he was 16, was in a car crash and his urethra was severed. There was really no connection between his sperm and the outer world. We had to decide whether to fix him or how to fix him. And mm. it took like eight or 10 operations. We had to bring blood supply back to his penis and urethra. We had to make him a new urethra out of his forearm. He came back one visit and he had a girlfriend. And he came back the next visit and he had a wife. And then he came back the next visit. Were they one and the same, by the way? <laughs> yeah, they were. And then at the next visit, he came back with a child. Wow. And if I have one patient like that in my life, oh my goodness, I consider it an honor. Oh, my goodness. You also work at Harborview. You see a lot of trauma there. It may not be wounded warriors, but there's certainly wounded people that get in, like you said, car accidents and other traumatic injuries. And they share a lot of the same issues, that the injury is devastating. It leads to other problems that we need to pay attention to. Such as? post-traumatic stress disorder, mm. depression, pain, chronic pain, which then puts them at risk for substance abuse. Right. And you can see how this is a really big problem. And in the military, I'd say everything is amplified. You know, when you've been in a, a battle conflict and you've been injured like this, it's getting to your manhood to, you know, this is a men's health show. You know, yeah. the ability to be sexually active, to be with your partner, to have children, those are things that are part of a lot of masculinity. On that theme, this strikes me as, um, you know, when we think about loss of sexual function, uh, you're often thinking of a different demographic of men. You're often thinking of a much more aged population, a prostate cancer survivor, somebody who's had long-term diabetes or cardiovascular disease or even Peyronie's disease. And Hunter, I'm wondering if you could comment about the uniqueness of this disability in a young population. And, I th and, mm. and, and even across the whole spectrum from the man who really has a physical disruption, destruction of tissue, but certainly I know we see a large population of men who have tremendous post-traumatic stress disorder that has a dramatic impact on sexual function. And what your perspective is on this younger population, a population, you know, you see men in their 20s, they don't expect yeah. to experience this. I think that's a largely <clears throat> unexplored area that it's the next step. Uh, the, the research being done right now is identifying the number and scale of this problem in veterans and Department of Defense insured individuals. The next step is to actually assess what the real impact is. Uh, we don't have those kind of outcomes yet. The military and veterans hospital are going to have a single electronic health record that will allow people to be tracked across their whole military experience. And when we start having those tools, I think we can then find out. Uh, it's a unique population. I can say from my trauma patients who are young, it's, it's devastating. Mm. What I see day in and day out is just this incredible, and whether it's a wounded warrior or, or not, but we see a preponderance of, of these young veterans returning with, with sexual dysfunction and the lack of desire to treat them. I see it all the time amongst providers. Let, let's go into this a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and so I see this repetitively in my practice. I saw it when I 
would see patients at the VA hospital, and I see it today. Um, and I think it's one of the unique parts of a, of a place like the Men's Health Center is this willingness to treat. Um, this idea that just because somebody's young, they couldn't suffer from a specific problem or that certain medications are for old, older men or that even surgical treatments for loss of sexual function are for just the aged. Um, I, my, it's one of my personal missions is to dispel that, that myth uh, because I think this particular population experiences this and it, and it leads to more global problems. And, and I want to add even further that I find that those young men who I engage in what I call treatment to completion, actually resolving their issue, and, and sometimes it's a work in progress, but sometimes we actually get to a resolution, are some of the patients who have by far the best and most satisfying outcomes and feel the most personally rewarded through those treatments. Dr. Wessels? The wounded warriors that we've been talking about with the severe battlefield injuries are really the tip of the iceberg because many of these men and women return with trauma, PTSD, mm -hmm. even if they don't have any external injuries. And so we can't forget that. And we're not sure what's causing the erectile dysfunction and sexual dysfunction in some of these men, but presumably the, you take a holistic view. They, they may have depression. They may have PTSD. Even if there's nothing wrong with their GU system, you know, in terms of a blast injury or something like that. And so I think there's a much larger group of people who may be suffering from loss of intimacy, sexual function, and, and, and being human, uh, what we think of as some of the more, you know, the most essential parts of, of being human. Tom, back to your point of uh, unwillingness to treat. Mm -hmm. Should the focus then be on more training for healthcare professionals in this area? Absolutely. Um, I think more training is is warranted. But also... Um, it's the you know, stigma. It's mm, still the stigma. There, there, I think. There's stigma. And then there's something else, too, which is that, man, being a healthcare provider is really busy. Uh, there's a lot of work to do. And healthcare providers, I think, today... And it doesn't matter whether they're in the VA healthcare system or a civilian healthcare system, are being called upon to do more and be more to patients today than I think they ever have been before. And we see that. We see higher rates of burnout. And I'm not trying to detour us away from the pathology here. But I bring that up because I think one of the things that you see is we see uh, these veterans walking into their primary care provider's office and saying, well, you know, you're helping me with my PTSD. You're helping me with my diabetes, which I didn't have before, my high blood pressure. Uh, I, needed this, I need an appointment for my prosthetic. And the next thing you know that what used to be a half-hour visit and now is a 15- or 10-minute visit, it's gone. And the very last thing on the menu is, hey, by the way, my wife and I are under a lot. We're under a lot of stress because I can't get an erection anymore. It's the last thing that's mentioned, and it winds up being neglected. It gets pushed down the road further and further. So there's some logistical problems. So what's my call to action for this? Well, ask. We have to ask. And take time with some of your patients, if you're a provider, if you're a healthcare provider. Ask about it. 
What about putting it on on the form? And when we go to a doctor, yeah. when I go to a doctor, before I see the doctor, I have to fill out this form. Have you, have you, have you, uh-huh. do you, do you? Put it right up there. Sure. Are you having sexual problems? Are you having, however you want to sure. phrase it. I don't want to uh, ignore the challenges we have in delivering healthcare. But if you can pick a few men who you're going to see that day and make sure you take the opportunity to ask, put it on your questionnaire, put it on your intake. There are many uh, healthcare societies who recommend investigating this further because loss of sexual function can be a marker of other diseases. We can't do everything all the time in healthcare, but taking an opportunity to, to address this to some degree is a, is a very rewarding. You'll make your patients happier, you'll motivate them, and you'll get them t- to definitive care. I do want to say that advocacy is really critical. Advocacy comes in many forms, and I think spouses are often some of the best advocates, Sure. whether it's the kind of patients we're talking about today or almost any de- demographic, we see spousal support being really critical. I do want to specifically highlight the local regional environment here and the resources that are available. The VA system is, uh, we've all seen tremendous publicity, good and bad, about the VA system. Here in the Pacific Northwest, the Seattle VA is one of the most stellar VA hospitals, certainly in the country. Hmm. Um, it is a very tightly linked entity to the University of Washington and UW Medicine. Most every provider who who serves in some capacity in the VA and is maybe the front lines to potentially these wounded warriors or men who are experiencing some of these, these issues has a direct link to UW Medicine. As a call to action, I would say f- for somebody who's listening, who either knows somebody who has a problem like this or is experiencing something themselves, ask for help at your local VA. Whether it's your primary care provider and you need a referral or you're advocating for yourself to just come into the the urology clinic or be referred to a place like the Men's Health Center or the Reconstructive Center at Harborview. And it's fair to say that UW Medicine is one of the providers of what we call VA Choice or Veterans Affairs, the Choice Program. Many people may be aware that during a period of time when not all resources were available in a timely fashion through the VA system, Congress appropriated funds that allowed veterans to seek additional center of excellence-based care outside. Certainly, UW Medicine and the Men's Health Center uh, are centers that are capable of receiving those referrals. If you're just joining us, uh, Men's Health Monthly, Dr. Hunter Wessels is in the studio. He's the chairman of the Department of Urology. What is the one takeaway that you would like to have men who are listening to this take away from from this program? There's always something we can do, uh, no matter how severe the disability. It may require, as I described, Mm -hmm. many operations, but there's almost always something we can do to try and restore a man's ability to have intimacy, sexuality, and even if there's been complete loss of an organ. What I hear you saying is hope. Absolutely. And I have worked with many injured people over the years, and it's one of the most rewarding things I do, uh, to never give up. That's an Army motto. Mm. And I I feel like we need to match that motto with our own commitment to never give up on these men and women who have given so much for us. Yeah. I hope that we can have a future where we don't have these injuries, but until then, I hope we can have a future where we can help them. What do you see five years, 10 years out? 
Well, certainly uh, the engineers and computer scientists mm. are doing <laughs> a lot to link prosthetics of all kinds yeah. in the back of the retina. And so that's amazing. But I think the engineering of uh, tissues that can substitute for what's missing is something that is very expensive. And it's still a long way off, but there's a lot of work being done on it. How can men who are listening to this program find out more about this work? So a great source to link to a lot of great information, including a link to this show, will be www.washington.edu forward slash urology. Dr. Walsh and I both thank you, Dr. Wessels, for your amazing work with the Wounded Warriors. That wraps up another edition of Men's Health Monthly featuring Dr. Tom Walsh, University of Washington professor, surgeon, and director of the UW Men's Health Center. You can reach out to Dr. Walsh with any questions or comments at menshealthmonthly at iheartmedia.com. Men's Health Monthly airs on the last Tuesday of every month at 8 o'clock on Sports Radio 950 KJR and on the last Sunday of every month at 6.30 a.m. on Seattle's classic rock station KZOK. And as we mentioned at the start of the program, if you'd like to view the making of Men's Health Monthly, just go to YouTube and type in UW Urology. Again, special thanks to this month's guest, Dr. Hunter Wessels. And until next time, for Dr. Walsh, I'm Neil Scott wishing you good health and good sense in matters relating to men's health. Thanks for joining us on Men's Health Monthly. You've been listening to Men's Health Monthly with Dr. Tom Walsh, Associate Professor of Urology at the University of Washington and Director of the UW Men's Health Center, and your host, Neil Scott.